electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job, not just to entertain, but to teach, educate. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. We've got a grand confluence going today, a sudden confusing lurch out of the banks and the industrials and into the techs and some retail. This is a move that seems to make no sense to most investors, but you've come to the right place because it's my job, my job on this show to bust authentic Wall Street gibberish and explain the action in plain English. So pull up a chair. And let me tell you what's driving these insane, some would say inane, moves with the Dow losing 210 points today, the S&P dipping 0.04%, and the Nasdaq jumping 0.87%. Crazy, huh? First, we've got to cut through the nonsense that you hear constantly from the hard money ideologues who try to pretend not to be that, and their oligarch buddies who try to pretend they're trying to help the poor, who want higher interest rates because they're worried that long-term inflation will actually erode the value of their billions. These are the people who think our valiant Fed chief Jay Powell is nothing more than a patsy. They want the Fed to stop helping regular people find jobs by keeping rates low, and they have the goal to argue that inflation actually hurts people who work for a living more than anyone else. You know that's false, because what these kleptocrats fear more than anything is wage inflation. They don't want to have to spend more money on payroll. Every time we get a strong labor market, they want the Fed to step in and crush the economy so they'll have more bargaining power. And believe me, they somehow think that it's more important that uh, people don't have jobs or make a little bit of money than they do getting jobs and having some money. Don't get me wrong. I lived through the 70s. I was very big in the unions, worked hard, shop steward. I don't want to go back to a world with double-digit inflation. But we don't need to be so ruthless about stamping out even mild inflation. It's just not worth the trade-off. And that's what's so great about this Fed chief. He's figured this out. He knows that businesses, particularly black and Hispanic-owned businesses, 
are far more likely to get started before a new rate hike cycle begins than after. And he wants to help them. But for all their hand-wringing that Powell didn't do enough yesterday, the fact that he pulled forward the approximate start of the rate hikes, he's now saying late 2023 instead of 2024, has been interpreted by some big money managers as a clarion call that the Fed's finally getting tough on inflation. Now, I think that's totally ridiculous, okay? But the bond market disagree with me. Stunning session. Bond prices went flying. Bond yields plummeted. The bond boys have collectively decided that Powell finally means business. So they're buying a hand over fist. Man, they're deluding themselves. It's not that he doesn't mean business. He's just meaning business in a different way. Remember, the bond market is much bigger than the stock market. So when investors see bond yields falling, they think, "Uh uh-oh, the big turn in the economy that we thought could continue because Powell's so easy and won't even acknowledge inflation, that's over. And that's how you get a stock like Caterpillar, a good company, tumbling nearly eight bucks down almost 40, 40 points from its side. 40 points. That's how Freeport Moran, the copper company, could sink more than 10 bucks in a month's time. It's why anything connected to commodities is plummeting. Now, to everyone who's worried about commodity prices, I got good news for you. The stock market, which is pretty correct on these kinds of matters, is saying that commodity inflation has already peaked. What the, what the kleptocrats think is, is such a worry, it's not. Forget transitory. The market's saying it's pretty much over. Sure, the market could be wrong. But if you were worried about totally out-of-control inflation, that possibility has been taken off the table. Just take it off. You're looking at a sudden collapse in every stock related to commodities at the same time that long-term interest rates are crashing. That wouldn't happen in a world with wild and crazy inflation, like so many of the ideologues tell us is happening. Turns out Powell was right. Turns out it really was transitory. Powell didn't need to raise interest rates or taper his bond buying. He just had to float the possibility of maybe tightening a couple of times in 2023. And the problem took care of itself. Now, there are a few shortages that are more intractable, but I've got solutions even for them later in the show. Earlier this week, I told you this market would be unable to mount a traditional rally until oil starts going lower. Well, guess what? Now, oil's even reversed. Now, reverse hard because we're hearing that the Saudis are ready to start boosting production. This level has been terrific for them. But if they let the price of crude go any higher, then the shale producers in our country will start drilling again. Remember, they're down 1.9 million a day from what they were doing. And that's the last thing the Saudi Arabians want to see. They want to keep oil high enough to make a ton of money, but still low enough to keep their undisciplined American compadres on the sidelines. Tomorrow, we get the Baker Hughes rig count number, and I bet it's going to show an uptick in drilling, making the Saudis even more eager to put a lid on petroleum. Yeah, transitory. So what about this inane, insane rotation into tech and fintech? That's easy as pie with an E. Money managers are selling the industrials because they're convinced that Powell's about to get tough. It's like they don't listen to a word this guy says. Not a single word. When you think the Fed's getting ready to tighten, the hedge fund playbook says you need to buy traditional senior growth stocks like Faang or Microsoft or the semiconductor companies like AMD and NVIDIA. All of them will outshine the smokestack stocks in the slowing economy. Facebook has triumphed over its critics and remains a great bargain for advertisers. Amazon's about to have a super prime day. Apple's working the kinks out of healthcare, despite what the newspapers say. Netflix has a better slate of programming now that COVID's coming down. Google's got strong businesses everywhere and a new sense of discipline when it's coming to spending. I know there's no M in Fang, but I think Microsoft deserves to be an honorary member because it's in such good shape. How about the chip makers? At first, I thought NVIDIA soared nearly 5% today because my wife, Lisa, is getting a new rescue dog, and she agreed that I can call this one NVIDIA too, just like its predecessor. 
No, that wasn't it. It's just that the company caught a recommendation today saying that the growth is accelerating, which it is. Plus, people are, are coming around to believing that NVIDIA will be able to acquire ARM Holdings, just like Jensen Wong told us. Same story with AMD and its acquisition of Xilinx. It will no longer be pigeonholed as the knockoff version of Intel, when actually Intel is now the knockoff version of AMD. Meanwhile, all the fellow traveler cloud kings and cybersecurity stocks held, held hands and rallied, too. We just had Twilio on the show. Great story. Natural flyer. A few today. And then after the close, as we predicted, Adobe shot the lights out with an amazing quarter that is certain to have a ton of pin action. Tomorrow. Now, I know there are people who argue that home builders will be squeezed by inflation, but that's a tough road to hoe when you have one of the biggest ones, Lennar, reporting that had great sales and terrific margins. Terrific margins. Remember, everybody was saying the margins are being crushed. Will they please do some homework? I didn't get up at 3 a.m. to just kind of like listen to the birds. They get up at around 4 anyway. I know mortgage rates have had a little spike, but with bond yields coming down, that's over. Let's see the home builders can weather inflation. I think they are. Rates are down so affordability is up. That means you should buy, buy, buy. I just got another mortgage today. I locked it in. What the heck? Why not? They're giving them. I'm taking them. Of course, the market's stubborn. Actually, just that was for the, the rest of the of the farm that I bought with that Ethereum and that other thing, the Bitcoin. Anyway, these buyers think the economy's slowing, which means there'll be no near-term rate hike, something the banks need if they're going to save their quarters. So be careful of all but a handful of the traditional financials and go buy the fintechs while they're still down. Square and PayPal are going crazy. There are fintechuals. Now, does any of this make sense? Yeah, sure for today. I mean, I say for today, because some of this buying is big, bad event buying, meaning the bulls were waiting to see what the Fed did before they swarmed in. And we know we're in a seasonally weak time. So I suspect that some of these tech stocks will give up their gains. But the bottom line, the buyers and sellers have spoken. They think J-Pal means business, but not anytime soon. And the hyperinflation theme, well, that's now off the table, where it should have been all along. I wish we had time for some calls. You know what we do? Let's go to Max in California. Max. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Max, I'm in good shape. The chill man is good. What's up? Good to hear. I'm curious on what you think of DraftKings. Okay, remember, I do have a contractual relation with DraftKings. I did think I like Hindenburg. I thought the report was off because if there's one division that's really not doing well, if they just close it tomorrow, the stock would soar. I think that they've won. It's game set match. They've won things. They've won that game. All right, now listen, okay? This market is spoken, and it's saying inflation has peaked and we should stop worrying about it. Now we're seeing the industrial sellers jump a chip, moving into tech like Adobe, because they're convinced that Powell's really getting tough. Oh, man, tonight, looking to build a portfolio that can withstand any market environment with summer patio season heating up. I'm sitting down with Azek to find out if an investment in the stock could do the trick. Then it's the best chemical company you've never heard of. I'll reveal the name and whether it's worth considering here. And clean energy fuels has gotten swept up in the meme madness. But is there more to the story than those people are willing to admit if they even know what it is? I'm talking with the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. 
With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the last month and a half, one of the hottest stocks in the market has pulled back hard from its highs. Talk about ASIC. That's the company that makes faux wood construction products. I've been pounding the table on this one since last year. I figured it was a fabulous play on the scorching hot housing market and perhaps even the sky-high price of lumber. But in the last six weeks, the price of lumber has plunged from its highs, down about 40%, even as it's still very expensive on a historical basis. Uh, that's why ASIC has tumbled from 51 to 39 change as of today, despite the fact that the company just turned in an excellent quarter last month. I think it's a mistake to view this thing as a proxy for the price of lumber, which means you're getting a buying opportunity here. Don't take it from me. Let's dig deep with Jesse Singh, the president and CEO of ASIC Company. Get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Singh, welcome back to Mad Money. Well, Jim, it's great. It's, it's great to be here, Jim. Thanks for having me on again. Of course. Now, Jesse, we have to get this thing straight. The reason why people like ASIC is because it looks good and it holds up well. They do not buy it because it's cheaper or more expensive than timber. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, if you look at our value proposition, it, it's really providing a fantastic product on the outside of homes that beautifies the home, but also gives you a chance to have low maintenance for years to come. And, and, and we've, been, we've been growing the business over the last decade. In fact, our compounded annual growth rate is, is 14%. And, and that's occurred with all sorts of dynamics in, in the lumber market. So uh, we're, we're really, really bullish about our future. And if there are anyone who's considering that maybe this is not necessarily the way to look at it, one of your largest selling products is in the neighborhood of four times the price of wood. 
Absolutely. I mean, the value proposition um, that we have uh, and one of our largest selling products is really sold because it looks just like ePay. Uh, it's almost indistinguishable. People want beautiful hardwoods outside. They don't want to have the environmental impact of that. And so for us, the vast majority of our portfolio really runs independently of any, any of the prices of any of the commodities uh, around it. Uh, you know, in fact, you know, at, when Lumberwood was at its lowest point, we were converting 1% to 2% of the market, and that's been accelerating. Okay, now, if you are environmentally inclined, what is the contrast between ASIC and actual 2 by 4s well, we uh, uh, earlier this uh, uh, this quarter, we released our first ESG report. And in that ESG report, we did a life cycle analysis and we did a life cycle analysis with analysis with two of our decking products against the most environmentally uh, basic uh, pressure treated uh, lumber that's out there. And from an environmental standpoint and a, a, a global footprint, a global warming footprint standpoint, we actually are better because of the recycle content that we have and add to that. We use hundreds of millions of pounds of recycled materials in the development of our product. Now, some people are saying, where do they get the recycle? Do they dig up in landfills? Do they buy it somewhere? How do you procure it? Well, we've, uh, we continue to invest in our uh, procurement organization. We're one of the few players in the market that actually take back recycled PVC. Uh, in many cases, that's landfilled. Uh, we take it from flooring suppliers. We actually have a program uh, called Full Circle, where we will go to job sites, set up a bin, and take back the scrap from a construction job site. So we have multiple avenues in, uh, by which we consolidate and collect our recycle. And the entire purpose here is to drive a lower-cost material by preventing it uh, from going into a landfill. All right, so Lenar reported a really beautiful number today. I think people were stunned. Somehow people keep thinking that these unbelievably good home builders with fantastic balance sheets are going to start doing badly with a 0.25% whatever interest way. You and I both know better than that. But should we be thinking about correlation to the older, old ager, the age old homes? In other words, we have an actually aging housing stock, the, age, the oldest it's been in years. Or should we be thinking about numbers like that we're getting from Lenar or Toll Brothers? I, I think in the case of our business and, and many repair and remodel business, it's, it's really a matter of both. The, the macro here, as you've talked about, is you have an entire generation of homeowners coming online with the millennial generation combined with those of us that are older continue to, to stay in the house. That added to the fact that you've got an aging housing stock, a shortage of millions of homes, and people want to invest in their homes. And in our case, there's 60 million decks that are installed half of which are beyond their useful life. And that adds up to really uh, a, a nice potential growth profile moving forward. So it's, it's really multiple variables. Both new construction and repair and remodel are really seeing strong tailwinds right now. I said, Jesse, let, let's talk awareness for a second. Now, I happen to live in New Jersey, and my contractor, of course, without knowing you at all, or knowing that I had any relationship with you, because I've known you for a long time, said, look, I don't want to use wood. I want to use ASIC. It'll look just as good, and I want to have to come back here. This is the third time I've done your deck. Uh, but we also have a very good distributor in our area, and he's made friends with a lot of the contractors. Are there parts of the country that does not do not know about ASIC? Well, we, uh, from a professional standpoint, those types of contractors that install uh, products, do repair and remodel jobs, we, we've got a really broad base uh, awareness. 
We, having said that, we've got a tremendous opportunity on the consumer front. The more we educate consumers, the more, even through this show, we have a chance to tell consumers that there is a fantastic alternative uh, to their current rotting wood deck that, that is more sustainable, looks better, is not plasticky. Um, the more we generate that awareness, the more that gives us an opportunity. And, and in fact, we've uh, effectively doubled our marketing budget. Uh, we continue to invest uh, and we expect for the long term as awareness of ourselves and awareness of the differentiation of our products are out there. We will continue to drive long term consumer growth in addition to strength we have with the pro. All right. Well, I think people are getting a good opportunity. Interest rates are low. Housing very strong. Remodeling is very strong. And lumber is not the issue. It's not a real competitor. What's a competitor is the weather and competitors. How many how much how many times it costs to do your deck over with lumber versus ASIC. Jesse Singh, president and CEO of the ASIC company. Thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. Terrific being on. Thank you. Guys, the stock is down for a false comparison. That's why I was so happy to have Jesse on. It's a very interesting company, and it's a real good product. Yeah, money's back into the break. Coming up, is it time to hook your portfolio up with a little chemical romance? Kramer's got the inside look on Eastman Chemical. Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. With the boom and bust cyclicals just getting smashed today, part of this extreme overreaction to yesterday's Fed meeting, you know what? we got to start looking at what came down. Maybe there's some terrific buying opportunities here. Last night, we spoke to Lionel Bazel. It's one of the world's largest commodity chemical makers. They told us a very bullish story about the strength of the industry. So tonight, I'm going to introduce you to a company I have not ever talked about on the show. It's called Eastman Chemical. And this may be the best commodity chemical play you've probably never heard of. This one's got all the same drivers as Lionel Bazel, but it's also got a sustainability kicker that, to me, is so novel that it is turning heads. Now, Eastman's a century-old business, although it's only been independent since the mid-'90s, when it was spun off from Eastman Kodak. 
Today, the company makes a variety of specialty materials that you can find in a host of different end markets. They've got window films, paint additors, adhesives, sealants, building and construction. They'll get all sorts of coatings for the auto industry, along with uh, turbine, uh, turbine oils and hydraulic fluids for airplanes. I mean, all the stuff that you never even know is being made, but it's being made by them. You can find their plastics and all sorts of consumer goods and packaging, not to mention electronics. Again, you won't see their name. They make components for medical devices, ingredients for the pharmaceutical industry. Finally, Eastman's got a big agriculture business. Think crop protection products like fungicides, uh, soil disinfection, not to mention uh, plant growth uh, regulators that help boost yields. Remember, the farm market is on fire, even though the stock of deer has been so down so quickly that you wouldn't believe that. Now, companies like Eastman that make the basic building blocks of industry tend to be very cyclical. They make fortunes when the economy is expanding and their earnings fall apart during a slowdown. That's why Eastman spent the last couple of weeks getting clobbered. You've got lots of money managers who are betting that the Federal Reserve will be forced to raise interest rates quickly. And nothing Fed Chief Jay Powell says will convince them otherwise. And sure, if the Fed really does slam the brakes on the economy, then Eastman Chemical will have a tough time. People are putting a lot of weight on those dot plots that show the Fed raising interest rates twice in the second half of 2023. That's more than two years away, though. I think they're assuming that if business stays strong, inflation will keep getting worse. Powell gradually more hawkish has to move faster. But like I keep telling you, most of the inflation we're currently dealing with is temporary. And nearly all of it is related to supply bottlenecks that the Fed has no power to fix. Many of these commodities people would, ha- would have worried about are all, they're, all, they're rolling over. I mean, lumber's now down 40 percent. The grains and coppers have come down, too. I, I think it's only a matter of time before they all do. So if, like me, you agree with J-Pal, and I, I think that I'm probably the only one, so I would love you to. Be like me. You want to use today's weakness to buy some cyclicals like Eastman Chemical that thrive in a strong economy. Of course, if you're worried about the Fed, this is not the stock for you. After the Great Recession, Eastman spent years working its way higher. But then it peaked near the end of 2018 when the Federal Reserve started tightening aggressively. Remember, that's when the Hawks convinced Powell that business was so good he had to start raising interest rates because higher inflation just had to be right around the corner, even if we couldn't see much of evidence of it. Well... Powell got talked into that one. Cyclicals like Eastman got obliterated. And even when Powell walked back his harsher language, he had to do that, about hitting us with a series of lockstep rate hikes, the group didn't really recover. The stock spent the next year in a holding pattern, bouncing between the mid-60s and the mid-80s until the COVID crash hit. Once the pandemic got rolling, Eastman plunged to 34 at its lowest last March. Of course, like other commodity chemical plays, that turned out to be a magnificent buying opportunity. Remember, we saw it with Dow as this, the stock's now up 240 percent from the bottom. Wow. Now, of course, Eastman never should have been that low in the first place. People just got too negative. By the fall, the stock had erased all of COVID's losses. Then once we started getting positive vaccine news in November, it made another big move higher. The reason's pretty simple. The company keeps reporting better and better numbers as their end markets have come roaring back. Remember, that's how you judge these cyclicals. How are the end markets? In late January, the company delivered a slight revenue beat with a solid earnings beat. And more importantly, management gave you an incredible full-year forecast. Talking about 20 to 30% earnings growth this year. I would love that from a tech company. The stock actually got dinged a bit in response because it had run into the quarter. But then it quickly snapped back, charging you into fresh all-time high territory. Now, some of that's because winter storm Uri hit and shut down all sorts of chemical and plastics facilities along the Gulf Coast, which sent prices soaring. 
And that's why Eastman was able to jump from 100 in, fe- uh, to one, to, in February to 130 at its highs earlier this month, even if it's recently pulled back to 117. Now, when Eastman reported its latest results at the end of April, the company knocked it out of the park, giving you another robust top and bottom line beat. Once again, though, the best part was the guidance. Management raised the four-year earnings forecast, taking it from $7.38 to $8 range, up to $8.25 to $8.75. That's big. Midpoint guidance was 7% higher than what Wall Street was even looking for. Even better, Eastman boosted its full-year free cash flow forecast from at least $1 billion to approaching $1.1 billion. Now, it turns out when winter storm Uri hit, This company worked proactively to avoid a hard shutdown at any of its facilities and then quickly restarted production. Basically, the bad weather took their competitors offline for months, but Eastman was 95% operational again within three weeks. That's incredible execution. Almost no, I I haven't read another company that did that well during Europe. What else? On the conference call, CEO Mark Costa, obviously a smart fella, talked about the company's investments in sustainable products and what they call the circular economy. Something, but look, we heard that from Lionel uh, uh, Bazel last night. The idea is that the plastic industry can become a lot more environmentally friendly by focusing on recycling. For example, Eastman is now building one of the world's largest plastic-to-plastic molecular recycling facilities where they convert old polyester into durable products. The company plans to recycle more than 500 million pounds of plastic waste annually by 2030. Otherwise, this stuff just ends up in landfills or waterways. It's why so many hate plastic, especially the young people. And that's how Eastman Estagio Chemical Company made it uh, to number 27 on Barron's 2021 list of the most sustainable companies in the United States, a plastic company. I know a lot of younger money managers are hesitant to go near anything that's plastic related because they think the environmental crisis is uh, should make it so you shouldn't own these stocks and governments around the world will eventually crack down hard on these companies. But I think Eastman's found a way to thread the needle here. Get this. This is what I thought was most incredible. They just struck a deal. Sorry about my back with I'm going to add this into the end categories here. They that's right. They stuck a deal with the finest luxury goods maker on Earth, LVMH, the French luxury powerhouse to supply packaging made through the molecular recycling process to LVMH's perfume and cosmetics division. That is quite the endorsement, people. It sounds like to me that finally we're getting to where real plastic recycling is here. They're not just making junk with it. They're selling stuff to LVMH. That's perhaps the most stylish company on earth as a client. Now, that is a great token. I think it works. Plus, with the harsh pullback over the last couple of weeks, including today's nearly 4% slide, I think Eastman's becoming a lot more compelling. At these levels, the stocks trade at less than 13 times next year's earnings estimates, and they're paying you to wait with a bountiful 2.4% dividend yield. Better than a sharp stick in the eye or treasury bonds, for that matter. I like this. The bottom line, like we heard from Lionel Bazel last night, there's a huge supply and demand imbalance boosting the chemical industry when that won't go away until next year. So while the group is getting gaffed by misguided rate hikes, it matters more that pricing's going up. And therefore, I think you're getting a terrific chance to buy some Eastman Chemical, which has great execution and also gives you the best sustainability kicker from plastic that I have heard yet. Catherine in New Jersey. Catherine. Hey, Jim, a big booyah from the Jersey Shore. How are you? I'm good. My question is about Nucor. I bought some after seeing them on the show, and I know you said it's a multi-year growth stock once it gets going. 
and I'm still up right now, but it's come in a bit recently. Should I hold? Buy you must the- hold. I gave a big conference call today to members of the club of ActionLawyersPlus.com, and we talked about that it is time to buy more new core. Why? Because once the cycle's going, as you said, Catherine, it goes on for a very long time. Six times earnings. Nucor just pre-announced the upside. I'm looking at these cyclicals and saying if they're going to throw them away, bring them on. Eastman Chemical is firing on all cylinders, including LVMH as a, geez, as a client. It's got a commendable sustainability goals. I think today's weakness is giving you a terrific entry point. That's why I'm showing you these cyclical stocks. Much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with the CEO of a meme stock, Clean Energy Fuels. It's up 30% over the past month. But is it worth considering this, this hot one? I'm going to talk with the CEO, and we've done actual homework. We didn't just draw funny pictures. Then I've got a few choice words for the people hounding Fed Chief Jay Powell to raise rates. You're not going to like it if you're an inflationist. Maybe you should make, make it volume a little bit lower. And now you'll hear me anyway. I talk loud. And all your calls are rapid fire. Tonight's edition of the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. Now that the Wall Street Bets crew has started to venture out into new meme stocks beyond GameStop and AMC, I'm always a little concerned that regular people will get hurt when these guys make something sore for no reason. So last Wednesday, when I saw these Redditors take up clean energy fuels, I was skeptical. This is a company I used to love many years ago as a play on natural gas-powered vehicles. I thought natural gas would be the cleaner, cheaper bridge fuel of the future. But it never really took off. I didn't really see the point in speculating on it now. But to Clean Energy's credit, they reached out to me and made the pitch directly. The news story isn't the old bridge fuel nat gas, it's renewable nat gas. Basically, they can take something like the methane from manure and turn it into a source of energy. And because these carbon emissions were headed into the atmosphere anyways, it's one of the least carbon-intensive fuels on Earth. Some would argue the least. So now that the stock has pulled back after the initial push from the memesters, could it be worth owning here? Let's check in with an old friend of the show, Andrew Littlefair. He's the president and CEO of Clean Energy Fuels to get a better sense of the renewable natural gas business. Mr. Littlefair, welcome back to Man Money. Hey, Jim, how are you? Oh, I miss you, Andrew. I'm glad that you're looking well. Let's get right to this. I made the mistake All right. of thinking that it was the same old, same old, and you know I believed, but we didn't get it through. But you said no, you... you directly said to me, Jim, you got to look at the company again. It's changed. It's different. And it's about renewable. So I'm going to give you the floor to explain the change and why it's working. Right. You know, Jim, since I was on years ago, we built out a nationwide network of, of fueling stations. And and as you correctly point out, some of the adoption was slow to materialize, though we've been busy all those years. But what's different today is uh, we've been busy pivoting to renewable natural gas. And so today, of the fuel we sell, 73% of it is RNG, renewable natural gas. And you're right, in your intro, you talked about how low carbon it is. And because we're bringing animal, you know, we're going to a dairy and we're cleaning up the, the manure and we're putting it into the pipeline. And what we're selling to our customers is, in many occasions, uh, 400 percent, four times, five times less carbon than uh, electric or five, six times less than uh, the diesel. So it's a dramatic change for us. Uh, and I really think that we're well positioned to have an economic solution, uh, you know, and environmentally friendly. Now, yeah. someone else agrees with you. 
It's Amazon. And I first want you to tell me about that deal. And then I'm going to ask the requisite question after what happened with Plug Power. So the Amazon deal. Well, uh, we've been working with them for the last, uh, you know, couple of years, kind of bringing them along. But we made an announcement uh, just uh, about a month, uh, month and a half ago. And it's the largest deal that we've made in the company's history. And and what it is, I have to be a little careful about giving too much detail because Amazon wants to control that. But for us, it's building them now 19 new stations and making available 27 other stations. So they'll be using 46 of our stations. We'll be selling them all RNG. Uh, and so we're very excited about that. Now, what's uh, in addition to the that commercial aspect, uh, we're also uh, availing them the opportunity to buy 20 percent of the of the company. Our shareholders approved that overwhelmingly uh, a couple days ago. But what's unique about this is the way we structured it, Jim, is uh, in order for them to buy stock at thirteen dollars and forty nine cents, they have to spend five hundred million dollars worth of fuel. And what we can say is that this is going to mean hundreds of millions of gallons of RNG running through our stations to the Amazon fleet. So it's very exciting. And I think what it is, it's, it's, it's a recognition of validation that somebody that's very concerned about, uh, you know, the climate and, and carbon is going with RNG. So that's that's what's new and different. Now, I mean, I know uh, when Plug Power did a deal like this, hydrogen, I like them. Uh, subsequently, the press came out and said basically that they bought the deal. This is not similar to that. No, it's, it's not, Jim, because, I mean, they have to buy hundreds of millions of gallons. And in order to have the opportunity to purchase the stock at 1349, you see where the stock closed today. Right. Uh, they have to spend $500 million of, uh, in fuel. And actually, it's a, it's a little bit more than that because there's certain costs that we pass through. So it's, it's significant uh, top-line growth and good margin for us. So, uh, no, it's, it's different than, uh, you know, buying. What, what we see is great alignment and synergy, and it encourages them to continue to move more and more of their fleet, I hope, over time to, to RNG. No, this big deal. But, Andrew, can this scale, I mean, Calmanor, is there enough around in the country that you can make it so that it's a big deal? Right. And, and you know, look, uh, today, uh, America uses 35 billion gallons of diesel every year. All right. So it's a lot. Um, when you look at the studies out right now, there's probably five to seven billion gallons of animal waste that can, can be converted to RNG. We're currently selling, you know, we'll be selling this year around 170 million gallons ourselves. Um, and so there's a lot of room to, uh, to grow. But just think about five to seven billion. You think, well, Andrew, that's kind of a, a niche compared to the 35 billion. But but by the way, Jim, there's 32,000 farms in America. So you're getting ready to see the farm the see the farm community move to this because it's a huge new revenue stream as they're trying to capture their methane. But when you take that, let's just go with five billion gallons. Five billion gallons is the equivalent of removing 20 billion gallons of diesel a year from the road. So that five billion gallons can make a huge climate impact, you know, dramatically more than anybody's talking about in terms of, you know, complying with uh, with Paris and and, uh, you know, four percent reductions. This is really significant. So, yes, I think there's uh, plenty of money now looking at it. You know, Jim, we have a, a relationship with three of the major energy companies right now developing RNG. And so I like to see that we have a deal with Chevron, with Total Energies 
and BP. So you got real players with real money that understand that this this RNG is a way for them to decarbonize. And here's the other point, Jim, is you get to, it's a drop in fuel, right? And so right. what I mean by that is you're you continue to you don't have to go out and build a new hydrogen fuel network. You're going to use America's pipeline system and drop this fuel in. And so that's why it's so economic and readily available. That, yeah, that is the solution. That's why I'm very excited about it. Now, obviously, the Reddit people must have done a massive amount of homework, probably contacted you a couple times, maybe visited your plant like I did. I guess that's how they came up with why they liked you. You know, I, I think it's, it's been this has been interesting to me, Jim. Oh, they you know, didn't uh, check you out or do any homework or visit or, or do anything. They just kind of maybe well, they winged it. You know, I, I think what they I think what, what my view is, is that I think that they're very sensitive of this energy transition green stocks. Right. And I think they started to look around and and, you know, I tell you what, it seems to me I've read a lot of these posts and it seems like they get it. I mean, one of the things that comes through again and again is they said, hey, these guys are clean energy. Take something nobody wants, clean it up, put it in a vehicle, make money and save the planet. And, you know, I kind of like that. And I so do, I too. Think and and also, it. by the way, uh, cash flow positive now, balance sheet much better than we saw you last. And I want you on on every uh, milestone because, you know, I was pulling for you okay. so big. You reinvented. I'm really I proud know. of you. And I want you to come back. All right. We were early, Jim, but thanks a lot. I appreciate <laughs> we it. We were early, you and me. But you stuck with it. And yeah. I'm really proud of you. And I think you're going to do right, great. Thanks That's a lot. Andrew Littlefair, President CEO of Clean Energy Fuel, CLNE. The Reddit guys and I, we agree. This is a good one and not just a cause. It's pro- it'll be real profitable. Thank you, Andrew. All right. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, buddy's back there. Stick around. May I make a suggestion? I would stay with him. The lightning round is coming up next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. What's up, and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skeet that over the lightning round. Let's start with Randy in Minnesota. Randy. Hi, Jim. Randy. What's happening? Uh, I just, first thing I want to tell you is I want to thank you for helping all us little investors out. We all appreciate it. Oh, uh, thank you. That's who I'm working for. Thank you very much. What's going on? I've had a stock for like five years now, and I bought it because it, it sounded like a real good stock. It was over in Europe, and and now it's moving to the United States, and they just got approved by the FDA. And I bought five, 10,000 shares, and then it went up to, it sat for like four years. Nothing. All right. All and, then right. It, and then it went up to um Five dollars and fifty-one cents a share. Okay. So I sold five thousand shares and took my money back. That's an uh, unusual option activity now. Which one's the stock? What's the stock? It's Sensonics Holdings. Yeah. Okay. Sensonics. Look, that competes against Dexcom and competes against Abbott, which are big competitors. So it's just a speculative one. Let's go to Mike in Illinois. Mike. Mr. Kramer. Hey, Mike. What's up? Hey, thanks for all you and your team do. I love oh, our team is great. Thank you. I love that you dive into small, fast-growing companies and not only cover the biggest well-known names. All right. A recent example of Celsius. I discovered the company after my brother gave me a wild berry Celsius, and I loved it. I- well, I got to tell you, my guys downtown in my morning show, they love it, too, and I love it. 
I think it's a, I think it's a sensation. Let's go to Scott in Indiana. Scott. Hey, Tim. Scotty T from Indiana. How you doing? I am doing well. How about you? Oh, hey, man. No regrets. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I was talking about Ticker Wish. Oh, man, that's a memer-reamer. We got to do a Whoa. I was actually doing a piece on Wish. Can we save it? Oh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Kramer's got a word for those who fear inflation and why a rate hike may not be the right cure for those singing the Federal Reserve Blues. Next. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. That is one that they like that I like, and I feel really badly that I like it, given the fact that they they do no work and I do homework. Uh, I'm not trying to be antagonistic. I'm just trying to be vicious. You do do a lot of homework. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. argue with the inflationists, the people who think that the only answer rising prices is for the Fed to slam the brakes on the economy with rate hikes. They know nothing. Here's what you do. We need to have Fed Chief Jay Powell roll into the next virtual question and answer session, driving an 18-wheeler. At least then these thumb suckers could see something that's an actual problem. We've got a shortage of truck drivers in this country. We simply don't have enough of them. So we either have to train more or offer the old ones more money. But let me ask you, can you honestly look me in the eye and tell me that a rate hike would create more truck drivers? If it does, I'll take four of them. In reality, though, rate hikes only solve the inflation problem by destroying demand. Can't have a truck driver shortage if nobody wants to hire them. If it's a choice between wrecking the economy or paying more for shipping, you know what? I say bring on the inflation. And you can do this with nearly everything that's in short supply. For instance, lumber. Okay, we're all aware that lumber is way up in price. Talked about that earlier when we were talking about ASIC. Even now, after it's plunged around 40% from its peak. You want to fix that? We can raise interest rates until nobody wants to buy wood anymore. Suboptimal. Or President Biden can pick up the phone and tell Justin Trudeau, Canadian prime minister, by the way, that he'll do him a solid and remove the tariffs on Canadian lumber. Why not? They already own most of the mills in this country. It's not like they're expanding fast enough to hire a lot of people. You get the price of a two-by-four down and steady, you get inflation down. Good for the economy. Right now, the Commerce Department is talking about doubling lumber tariffs from 9% to 18%. That strikes me as uh, ill-advised. If the Fed ends up crushing the economy because the government artificially drove up the price of wood, well, that would truly be one of the dumbest possible outcomes. What else? All right, we had this winter, we had that freak storm, uh, Uri, in uh, Texas and Louisiana. Took out a huge chunk of our plastic industry. It was so swift that almost no one was ready for it. The damage was severe, except for a handful of companies like Eastman Chemical that managed to protect their facilities. It's taking the rest of the industry a long time to get their plants back online. I mean, it's June, for heaven's sake. And that's why plastics become so expensive. If you think rate hikes will make the rebuild go faster, then by all means, give me a dozen of them. This is not a problem Jay Powell can solve with monetary policy. He'd do better going in there with a blowtorch and a wrench. Hey, you know, the word is he's pretty handy. 
Next up, Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, just gave you a terrific pre-announcement. Estimates are too low. But the fact is, supply is too low. Supply of cars. That means higher prices, especially for used cars, because the semiconductor shortage has made it too difficult for automakers to expand production. Used cars are a big part of inflation. Again, though, the Fed can't fix the semiconductor shortage with higher rates. Sure, Powell could strangle the life out of the economy until nobody wants microchips anymore. That's one way to do it. But once again, I, I don't know. To me, that cure is worse than the disease. Honestly, Calling this a shortage might be the wrong word. Semiconductor fabricators are operating at capacity full, wide, full worldwide. So their clients, why? They've gone in on all the highest margin chips, and those are for hyperscale computing or cell phones. They're not for autos. It's not a chip shortage so much as a choice by the best semiconductor makers to concentrate on other areas that aren't what's known as fully featured which is what we call auto chips. But this problem will go away as the industry adds new manufacturing capacity. And some of these semiconductor companies realize, holy cow, I can make a lot more semi, more money selling chips to Ford. If seven rate hikes, OK, make it nine, would magically make that happen and get these people, these angry people off my back. I say bring on the pain. I'll take it. I'll take a steamer, str- steamer trunk of pain on my back if they would let me alone. Now, if you talk to the CEOs of the major semi-companies and tell them how a bunch of rich plutocrats want to solve their capacity problem with a series of rate hikes, well, they tell you that you're looking to the wrong people to get the job done. I could go on and on. I've got many of these covered, but I think you get the picture. The people screaming about the dangers of inflation don't understand inflation. Right now, we have shortages and rising prices because the economy rebounded far faster than anyone expected because people didn't expect that we're going to get the vaccine. The inflation, they bet against America, they bet against science. The inflationists just think that's a problem. So they want the Fed to slam on the brakes. Me? I say have a little faith in the magic of the free market, won't you? We don't need central bank intervention to solve supply chain issues, nor do we want them driving 18-wheelers on the way to fix chemical refineries. These shortages, they will, in time, take care of themselves. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I probably try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.